Good to have you guys online. Uh, just quick announcement. If you guys have been receiving emails from me, it's not a, it's not a mistake. I've been trying to send out some emails every week. They have short little videos attached to them. Uh, well, I, thank you, Tammy. A lot of people have told me that they like them. And uh, if you like them, let me know. You know, hit like on the button so that way we know. And uh, share them with your friends if you need to. And share them with other church members. Um, I want to encourage you, just trying to encourage each and every one of you guys to participate with this congregation and with what we're doing and what we're trying to do with God in our lives. <clears throat> Look forward to uh, sharing more stuff with you guys in the coming weeks. And, but today, i got to share something that's more difficult. Sandra and I have some bad habits. Maybe even sinful habits in some ways. One of our little indulgences that we like to participate in is to watch TV together. And we're not watching, you know... Jesse DePlantis or Joel Olstein, like maybe we should, I don't know. One of our favorite shows <clears throat> to watch is Seal Team, and that's, that's my confession. I know it's maybe not the best show for a Christian to watch, and it's probably not the best show on television, but we, for some reason, have enjoyed watching that one together. And we, we watch some others together as well, but Seal Team recently had an episode, I guess it was back in December, actually, we're a little behind. We're trying to get caught up. But they had an episode where one of the characters, the, the team leader, was talking to his second command, and they were talking about, the second command was talking about just trying to feel at home when he's at home with his wife and kids because what they do is so taxing on them. And the SEAL team leader said, he makes that, that cliche statement, right? Where you hang your hat is home. Of course, for the SEAL team, it's where you hang your helmet is home. That's what I want to talk about today a little bit is we're starting this new series on hospitality. It's called Open House, and it's the hospitality that we find in the Bible. And what, what does that mean where you hang your hat is home? What, what makes us call something home? You know, I mean, there's a house, it's a building, it's a place where I sleep, but what makes it more than just a place that you sleep and eat? What makes it a home? What does it feel like when you say, oh, it feels good to be home? What does that mean? Right? It, it, it's, it's an emotional response that comes from deep within us. But what does that actually mean? Have we really stopped to think about what that means? It has so many different emotions involved and so many different ideas involved. I, I couldn't help but think of the, the movie with... Um, uh, uh, Kevin McAllister, right, <clears throat> was the little kid that got left home alone. My kids watched at Home Alone every Christmas season. And, and they insist on watching one and two and then three, and then they say, oh, yeah, we forgot how bad three was. And every year I remind them, you remember how bad three was? Don't watch it. No, Dad, it's good. And they watch one and two and three. And go, oh, yeah, three is really bad. But we always watch one and two. It's just kind of a tradition. But I remember in Home Alone, right, the little boy, he's just so fed up with his family. because That's what family does. We get on each other's nerves. Like the umpteenth million phone calls I got from my dad yesterday. I can say that because he's not going to watch this. 
I wish he would watch this. He calls me, says, I just wanted to hear your voice. I said, feel free to watch my sermons anytime. You can hear my voice. But yet he has to watch one. But we get on each other's nerves. That's what family does. But in the end, we still want to be together. And we still know that we get on each other's nerves out of love, which seems weird. But that's what's going on in, in the movie Home Alone with this little boy. Everybody's getting on each other's nerves. It's really stressful. It's right before Christmas. They're going on a trip. And he is being a brat. And he gets locked up in the attic. And the family takes off and goes on their trip to France the next morning. And they forgot him. And he's excited. He is excited. He's probably as excited as Remington is about turning 18 in a couple of weeks. He gets to be on his own. It's fine with me. I break the dinner plate. He can move out. But, but Kevin was excited, right? He gets to do what he wants to do. He gets to stay up as late as he wants to stay up. He gets to watch junk on TV like SEAL Team. He gets to eat ice cream and marshmallows and chips and drink soda and do all the things that he couldn't do. But in the end, he's afraid to be home alone. Some bad guys show up. And he needs some safety. And he misses his family. He misses that connection. Remember the scene in the church? He's talking to his neighbor who was scary, right? He was the South Bend Slayer or something like that. And he's talking to him. And he says, you don't talk to your son? The, the, the old man says, I don't talk to my son anymore. We've, we've, we got mad at each other years ago. And Kevin says, I don't, matter, I don't care how mad I was at my dad how mad I got with my dad, I'd want to talk to him. See, he missed family. He missed that, that home, whatever home was. What does home have to do with hospitality, though? What does this idea or this feeling, this emotion that we feel when we talk about being home have to do with hospitality, especially in the context of Scripture? Well, perhaps first we should look at the word hospitality and see what hospitality really means. What, what do we mean when we say the word hospitality? I mean, we've created an entire college degree in America around hospitality. There's a hospitality degree. You can get a degree in hospitality management. You, hospitality is something that we use that word all the time. But what does it really mean? Well, the root or the Latin root of the word means host or guest or stranger. The biblical form of hospitality was always oriented around the stranger rather than the idea of entertaining friends and family. It's the idea that you're entertaining or bringing in a stranger. Baker's Evangelical Dictionary <clears throat> says it like this, and as hospitality is an attribute of God, one finds it, <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> we've been doing woodwork in the shop, and I have wood chips all over me yesterday. And, um, and this morning, even after I showered, I still found wood chips. And they're getting to my throat. I should wear a mask more often. <laughs> There's my plug. Everybody should wear a mask, especially when you're woodworking. Start over here. As hospitality is an attribute of God, one finds its Im images in the biblical proclamation of, of the relationship between God and the covenant people. Hospitality is, the, is in the ancient world focused on the alien or stranger in need. 
Right? So it, it focuses on those that were in plight, those that were on the land, those that were in danger, that didn't have food, didn't have shelter, didn't have resources to provide for themselves. Biblical hospitality focused on them. The idea that they were alienated, they were set apart from their tribe or their city land, they didn't have a place to be. They were sojourners, possibly. And it looked at them, and it looked at giving them the ability to have family within your family, to, to make a living within you making a living, to, to have food and to have protection within your ability to protect them and to feed them. See, in the ancient world, in the practice of hospitality, meant graciously receiving an alienated person into one's land, home, or community and providing directly for that person's needs. <clears throat> I can't help but think of, well, here's another SEAL team thing. I like SEALs. The book by Marcus Luttrell, Lone Survivor, about his adventure or misadventure, but his time as a SEAL in Afghanistan where his entire squad gets wiped out but him, and he falls all the way down a mountain, and he's broken leg, broken back, all sorts of stuff. And the Taliban is chasing him, and he falls into this little village accidentally, almost literally falls into a village as he goes down the side of a mountain. He comes across this tribe of people, and they take him into their village, and they give him hospitality. They have a different word for it, but this is what they're talking about. And the Taliban come into the town to get him and take him out. And the townspeople will not release him. And they will not allow the Taliban to search the city. And they told the Taliban if they came into the city to get him, that they would fight to save him as if he was one of their own. That's a hospitality that we're talking about. That's the kind of hospitality that we see in the Bible in the biblical sense. It's this hospitality that says, I brought you in, even though I didn't know you, but you are one of us. So where do we find this biblical example of hospitality, this idea of hospitality and what it is? Well, there's lots of places to look, but today I think I'd like us to start in Genesis. Genesis chapter 1. Genesis chapter 1, I think, is the first example of what we see as hospitality in the Bible. So if you brought your Bibles, open up. We're going to be in Genesis chapter 1. We're going to start in verse 3. Starting in verse 3, it says, And God said, Let there be light. And there was light. And God saw that the light was good. And God separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening, and there was morning, the first day. And God said, Let there be an expanse in the midst of the waters, and let it separate the waters from the waters. And God made the expanse and separated the waters that were under the expanse from the waters that were above the expanse. And it was so. And God called the expanse heaven. And there was evening and there was morning, the second day. Now I can see the look on some of your faces, even those that are watching online. You're going, Robert, you're talking about the creation story. What does this have to do with hospitality? Well, it's important to notice that God sees the light says it's good. The idea that God starts creating things and says it's good. Here, we commonly get kind of confused that we think that God created something and went, oh yeah, that's pretty good. That's not what God's doing. God creates something and then he approves it. 
He affirms that what he has done is correct and what he has done is right. Because God is creating all these things for a reason. He's not just randomly going, hmm, I wonder what I might make today. He has a plan. And he's creating the light and he's creating the world and he's creating the expanses and he's creating the waters and the heavens for a reason. He's putting all of this into play. Let's jump ahead to verse 26. Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. Then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it. And have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on earth. See, you see what he did? God paid careful attention throughout the story of creation, creating each and everything that was needed for man to survive. And then he stops and he creates man. This is proof that God loves man. He creates each and everything that we need to survive and puts it in place and makes sure that it's good and that it's approved. And then he creates man and puts him in place. In his creation of the world and of humankind, God's care and his power and delight and planning can clearly be seen. All of the world was a gift to humanity. God creates this world out of an act of hospitality. He says, I'm going to create a man that is going to be an alien, that is going to be a sojourner, that is going to be a foreigner, and he needs protection, and he needs food, and he needs a livelihood. So I'm going to give him a place to have those. Often we argue about the aliens in our country, whether somebody is legal or illegal. Sometimes other countries argue about who's a legal or illegal alien in their country. We're all aliens on this earth. We were all gifted this earth so that we could live the way God wanted us to live. And we forget that. We forget that it was a gift. We forget that we aren't supposed to be here. That we are sojourning as we go through. That our home, our home resides in a different place. That expanse he called the heavens. We forget that we are not to be here, that we're not supposed to fall in love with this place, but while we're here, we're supposed to set an example. The example that God set with hospitality for us is the same example that we're supposed to set with others. Poet Lucy Shaw writes, God's relationship with us surrounds us like a house. It is essential the frame and backdrop for all thinking, being, and doing. We are at home in the divine presence in a way that is deeper than consciousness. 
we are given examples in life so that we can live like the Lord in this world. Not so that we can judge others or that we can try to right some sort of wrong. We are given those examples so that we might have compassion. That we might be willing to share what God has richly blessed us with in our lives. God has given us a place to call home place that brings up all those emotions and all those ideas of what home is about. God has given us all we need to live on earth. He is the ultimate host. And we can hang our helmet, if you will, in this land that he created for us, in a home. In prayer this week, I want to challenge you. Try thinking about God first as host. Think about him and the hospitality that he has extended to you. Use that language in your prayer, the idea of hospitality. And speak back to him as you pray and as you meditate. Look at the hospitality he's offered you in your own life. And finally, make a list of ways that you can return that hospitable act back to him by serving others. Will you pray with me? Lord, as we engage this idea of hospitality, open our hearts. Open our hearts to open up our emotions and our lives and our homes to the idea that you want us to take in those that are in need. And what does that look like in this day and age? How do we be hospitable in this current world, in this current situation we live in? How do we reach out with an open heart and love and compassion like you. Lord, pour into us your spirit. Pour into us your love and your grace and your mercy so that when we come across the sojourner, when we come across the stranger or the alien, the one that is different than us, help us to open our hearts so we can be hospitable towards them. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.